0: Bye. So welcome to 2024. I'm going to begin us with prayer because I'm going to ask God to come and speak into our lives. Because otherwise this is just some guy in a blue shirt saying a bunch of silly things. So bow your heads with me. Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the God of hope. And those are just a few of the thoughts that we would even begin to have because we've heard about them in Scripture of who you are. You, Almighty God, Father to all of us, we pray you would come and speak light and life into us today and anoint this gathering in Jesus' good name. Amen. So in 2023, we talked about the kingdom of God and we focused on what it would be like as if we would begin to see the kingdom of God for what it is, not just the church. Because a lot of times we get wrapped up in just this, my church, this is our church, this is my church, this is my little spot. The kingdom of God is so much bigger. And one of the greatest mistakes we make is we make God small and we make ourselves big. That's what we do. We make God small and we make ourselves big. And that's the idolatry that goes on in the world around us, no matter what. One of the most beautiful things about the mountains is, is that the mountains actually give you perspective, perspective. I don't know if any of you like to climb or not like to climb or how you like to get around and do things up in the outdoors. But Shadley and I and our kids uh, lived in Colorado for 30 years. And in Colorado, there's a bunch of things called 14ers. Anybody know what a 14er is? right? A 14, somebody's like, I do. I've climbed all of them, right? Exactly, I love it. So a 14er is a 14,000 foot mountain. And in that, what we do is, is that we talk about different mountains and everybody wants to climb some of them or one of them in their lifetime. Well, this mountain up here is Mount Columbia, elevation 14,077 feet. And yes, the one I chose to pick is barely a 14er, because I, everybody says, well, what do you do for work? I said, I do the same thing everybody else does, as little as possible, right? 14, if there was one that was 14,001, I'm looking for it, right? So I climbed Columbia one day, and I want to tell you a quick story about climbing Columbia. So I climb up this mountain, and you go through the screen. These look like these are actually um, ski runs. They're not. These are actually chutes where stuff would slide down the mountain, right? And so it was a pretty healthy climb. So I go up on this mountain and I'm climbing it and I get up to the top and I don't know why it is, but a sandwich never tastes so good in my living room as it does at 14,000 feet. Why, why is a sandwich so good when you packed it and you made it and like the, the tomatoes have kind of bled into the sandwich bread and the whole bit and you sit up there and it's just like every bite is amazing. So I climb this mountain. I'm on the top of this mountain, and I go up with a friend of mine, and we're up there going. And he says, "Let's do Harvard as well." And I go, "Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm gonna walk around. I'm like, you know, I did a 14 or all like that." And he goes, "No, let's do let Let's do Harvard as well." So there's this saddle between Harvard. This is Harvard, and Columbia is over here, and there's this saddle where you're like losing elevation to get to more elevation. So we like idiots in our early 20s, do it. And so we're going down and all of a sudden I look across the valley and as I see the valley below me, there are two fighter jets that are coming up underneath me. They're below me. I can still see them in my mind's eye and I see them in time for to see the guy literally come out of that chute right up and he goes right over the top of Harvard. And I look at my friend and go, he climbed it for us, we don't have to do it. (laughs) And I mean, I'm telling you, I had like, goosebumps and chills and all these incredible, and the sound of it afterwards was unbelievable. It was this moment of just, it was this awe of God and this accomplishment of man all came together in that moment, and I think to myself, in that moment, I realized something. God makes us to want to climb those kinds of mountains, and there's this beauty that comes up there is is that when you get up to the top of that, you are in awe of God, but you have to be prepared to go meet with God. You have to be prepared. We were slightly unprepared. So let me tell you about it. We're going down through that saddle, we're cutting across through here. And as we were doing that, I realized we're going to run out of water. We barely have any food left, and we're going to run out of water. And so I start, I love the Yiddish word for complain, kvetch. Right? Doesn't it sound like complaining, kvetch? So I begin to kvetch, right? And I'm kvetching, man. I'm like, we don't have the water on like this. And we come across this guy, and this guy has water, extra water. He's prepared. He's got the right shoes on. He's got tactical equipment. He's got a bag on the back of him that's a camelback-looking thing, and he's got water. And like that, and he looks at us. I mean, he literally sized us up, and he goes, you don't have enough water. I'm like... He just looked at me. How does he know I don't have enough water? He realized, I, I, you don't have enough water. You're not going to make it. And he was like, hey, I've, I've got extra water. I'd be happy to loan you some I'm happy to give you some water. I was like, man, yeah, dude, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. So he gave us some water, and then he asked about food, and he gave us a few bits more food, et cetera, and we started going after all of that. And, and why, why do I tell you that story? Because what I would suggest to you guys is that story is a lot of how the world is. The world wants to do great things. It wants to climb great mountains. It wants to do all these kinds of things. But the world is also in a spot where it doesn't have the provision in its life to actually make the hill. And God comes along and says, I made you to climb those mountains, but I made you to do it in me. And I will station people in your life that will help you get to the top if you're willing to ask. The world is filled with people who are desperate for what Jesus Christ has to offer. And one of the reasons why we want to train you to go is because in your world, you're running across people all day long who don't have enough water, who don't have enough provision, who aren't going to make it in their marriage, who aren't going to make it in their parenting, who aren't going to make it in their career, who aren't, who are just doing the best they can. And they started out on some idea. And the question is, are they going to make it? God knows that, and that's why God put people in your life. When we sang that song earlier, you need to understand that when God gave the honey, when God gave the water, and when God gave the manna, it's because they were in a spot where there was nothing that would provide for them to help them to survive. That's where God shows up usually in your life. When you are at the edge of everything you've got and you're thirsty. Some of you are there today. Some of you are prepared to hear the message of Christ. You maybe never heard him ever in your life. And you're so thirsty that you said, you know what, I'm just gonna go to a church. Maybe they have water. Good news for you. We serve a king, a Jesus, who is what? Living water. But here's the weird part of what God did. God assigned us to be there in those places to help people along. That's your assignment. So last year we talked about noticing and knowing the kingdom of God. This year, we're talking about training to go that we would be what? Expanding the kingdom of God. There are people that need to know that the love of God is theirs for them, waiting for them. That honey, that water, that manna are there for them. But those people, when you meet them, tend to be like old poor Harv standing there, right? Sweating, running out of water, thinking he's gonna go further than he really should. And this guy comes along. You know what this guy could have done? He could have shamed me. He could have said, I'm not sharing. It's like, you're an idiot. You broke the rules, bro. But what is one of the rules of mountaineering? You see somebody up there who has some need, you help them. Why? Because it might be you next week, right? Isn't it fun? You know one of the things I love about hiking and climbing and doing that? Is that people are friendlier up there than they are in the city. Because they realize, you know what, I probably ought to be friendly to people because something happens to me. They're the ones up here. Right? And that's the way it does play out in the kingdom of God. I want you to see the word of God. I, you know, Harvey, the handout. So if you're online, of course, there's one on the front of the book, uh, on the front of the web page in the app. There's one in the app. You can open up the app or you can open up the one that's right there in front of you. And I want you to read. Last week, we talked about the four, the greatest and foremost commandment is to love God with all you have. Well, today, the second one was, is that we would love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Let's see how Jesus's final words are. It's right there, the second set of verses in your notes. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. Jesus said, meet me on a mountain. I love it. I love it. Jesus said, meet me up on the top. And when he saw them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were still doubtful. I I gotta tell you, I've told you this before. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. They went up there, they followed him, they went to the mountain, and they brought their doubts with them, okay? Okay. They brother You will have doubts in your life about lots of things. A lot of times doubts keep people in the valley. They never see the F-16s flying through. They never see the mountaintops because they always live in the, in the what? In the valley of doubt. If you live in the valley of doubt, I got to tell you, you're not going to accomplish much in your life. You're going to be owned by your fears. You're going to be driven by everybody else's thoughts about you. And you are going to be paralyzed when it comes to the big things of life. That valley of doubt will kill you. You were made to meet Jesus and made to meet him on a mountain. Go to a mountain. You came here. Let's keep going. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Now, you've got to love the fact that Jesus is up on this mountain. He says, all authority is mine going down. All authority of mine is up. I have been given the keys to it all. And how how had he done that? He had raised from the dead. He proved that he could cheat the thing that none of us in this room are ever going to cheat. Death will bat a thousand in this room. We'll all go meet our maker. But he beat that. And he said, All authority then has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There are seven verbs in that set of verses. Seven verbs, and I highlighted them, or I bolded them on your paper there, right? They're highlighted on mine. The first thing was they proceeded. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, stop fighting God and go, go where he tells you to go. Listen and go. Believe and receive. Doubt and do without. It's that simple. First thing they did was they proceeded. The second thing is when they got to connect to him, they worshiped. They worshipped. Everybody is made to worship something. What do you worship? The easiest thing to do in our world is worship ourselves. The problem is, is that we don't, we are not worthy of being worshipped. And number two, other people are not worthy of being worshipped either. And when you worship a lesser God, the problem is your life is filled with doubts. Because you realize it doesn't match. Third thing is that he does is he says, go, go. Christianity was meant to go. Boats were made for the sea or the harbor. I'm just asking for a friend. They're made for the sea, right? The boat was made for the sea. Get out there into the water. There's a thousand reasons for why you ought to stay in the harbor. A friend of mine who lived in England for a while, he was there and he had lived there for about 11 years and I was visiting him and I said to him, I said, hey, Gary, you know, what are some of your observations about the difference between America and, uh, and, and England? And mind you, I was born in Germany, right? Mom, who's German, dad, who was American, moved here when I was 13 in New Jersey, right? So moved and landed in New Jersey. So I I asked him, I said, what are your observations as an adult? And he said, it's very interesting, Harv, is that politics in Europe are driven by people who are the descendants of the non-risk takers who stayed. America's politics are filled with the descendants of risk takers who said, I'd rather die on the open ocean than stay here. That's an interesting take on the world, isn't it? Think that out for just a second. Christianity, by the way, was in the hearts of those people who risked it all. Why? Because they believed that God had something for them and God had called them out and God said, go. And they said, we'll go. You were made for the open ocean. It's nice to be in the harbor once in a while, but don't forget that rudder back there is meant to spin. Go, go and go. What do we do then? We make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded to you. In those two verses right there are four verbs. Go, make, baptize, teach. Okay? Now, as simple as this sounds, I would suggest we always get those out of order. We get them out of order. Because here's kind of what we've kind of like deduced it back down to. Okay? little... Don't take this like I'm shooting at you. I'm not shooting at you at any. But here's what we tend to do. Instead of us going and making disciples, and making disciples is what Jesus did. And if you remember, he took three years with 12 guys, and he still had a guy fail on him. Okay? So he still had a failure rate of 50% over 10 people. Okay? So he still failed. There was a failure in his, in his cadre of people when he trained them to go. right. One of them you know, fell out right? And so in that process, when Jesus was training them to do that, what he did was is that he let their lives rub up against him. He let them ask all their hard questions. When he resurrected, he let them, they, he let them poke his, their fingers in his wrists, in his leg. They let him ask all the hard, hard questions. Going that we're asking you to do, going about going out and sharing the gospel with other people doesn't mean go and tell them all the rules and when they get the rules down, then we'll baptize them. And then once we baptize them, well, then we'll, we'll teach them to love Jesus. Do you notice that the scripture there is actually written this? Go and love them and disciple them. And how, what does it mean, disciple them? Let them be close to your life. Let them see the wins and the losses. Let them see you on the, on the mountain highs and in the valley lows. Go be a part of their lives And then when they see that and they're attracted to it, well, then baptize them. And that is, is it let them come to Jesus, help them come to Jesus, and then teach them to obey. Here's where we get it wrong. And this is why it's so hard for so many of us to disciple. We think we have to go around and say, hey, you're breaking a rule. You're breaking a rule. Now get the rules right and you can come to church. This, This place should be empty. This place should be empty. And be honest, right? I mean, the place might be more holy tomorrow at 10 o'clock than it is this morning at 10 o'clock. Fair? Because we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And, and, and everybody in their life is in a place where they're unprepared. They're running out of water. They didn't bring enough provision. They thought they were going to climb one hill and everything was going to be great. And all of a sudden, life comes back and says, climb a second hill. And this one's going to be 400 feet taller than the last one. And you're going to run out of stuff. And you're going to need someone to come along in your life. I would suggest to you guys that in this, great, in this great commission, a lot of us are afraid because we think we have to go shove a bunch of rules down a bunch of people's throats. We don't. What we need to do is start with seeing them the way that Jesus sees them. I got to tell you, that guy had compassion on me. I don't make it off that hill. Any of you know what Giardia is? You don't want Giardia. Fair? That stream looks so beautiful, so lovely, so really great. That muskrat up there, when he pooped in that stream, he gave you gerardia. And you're going to wish you had died and not drank that water. The world is doing what? Giving out water filled with gerardia. People we're keeling over all over the place. God's got something better. He's got honey from above. He's got living water from within. And he's got manna to lead you for one more day. All this stuff down here that I wrote down here before you, these are some questions I just want to say to you. You need to ask yourself this stuff. Doug and I don't teach you as though we're here you know, with a little baby bottle and a nipple on it and we just go, you know, that's wrong church. I'm not saying anybody else's church. I'm just saying that's not who we are, okay? But I give you all this to say, go home and look at this. Ask yourself, am I doing this? Am I obeying? Am I walking with God? Am I listening to the way that God does lead my life? So to join him, You got to ask some questions. To prepare for the mission with Jesus, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to turn your general beliefs into a mature faith. Into a mature faith. Grow in the Lord. Grow in the Lord. One of the best things you'll ever have in your life is where you are growing in your walk with God because it will feed every other component part of your life. When that sustenance comes into your body. You know what that? You know what my body did with that water? It absorbed it. It used it. It helped me make it through. Same with your faith. It will go into your life. It will see you through and it will make your life. Flip the page over with me. Let's go to the second side. So the first one was, if you want to join, you got to do that. If you want to be prepared, you got to grow to a mature faith. And number three is be effective with this message. Sorry, to be effective in the commission of Jesus, you have to know, believe, and act on some things. Let me give you one just as a demonstrative one. It's of those. John chapter 10, 25 to 27 looks like this. Here's one of the things that it looks like to be a person who's growing in your faith with Jesus. So Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. Of course, he had this group of leeches that kept walking around, beating up on him the whole time or whatever, right? And so he was a little hard on them, but he answers them and he says, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. Verse 26, look what it says. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. One of the hardest things that people are trying to figure out is, do they want to be a follower of Jesus or not be a follower of Jesus? And honestly, they're not looking at the book to figure it out. They're looking at my life and your life to figure it out. You are the book. You are the person. You are the one that's stationed in their lives. And they're going to look at your life. And they want to look at it because they want to, they want to see if, you, if, they, if he's worth following at verse 27, and here's one of the things that I want to pray that will actually become a greater thing in your life this year and in my life too. Jesus said this about his followers. My sheep, listen to my voice. Does the spirit of God lead your life? The guy that I went up there hiking with that day, you know, that I was telling you about, he dared me, challenged me, kind of like buck up harv and all those sorts of stuff. And I, and I went along and we did it, but I put myself in a spot that was stupid, stupid. Stupid, because I listened to the wrong voice. My bravado drove me to go say, yeah, we can do this again. But the guy who came along to me goes, dude, you're not prepared. Do you know, do you? and he looked, I remember one of the first things this guy did when he saw me is he looked at his watch. He looked at me, looked at his watch, looked at the sky, looked at me, looked at his watch. And He's like, I think, he's like you're going to start up that mountain now? I mean, this guy you know had already what? He was up at four in the morning. He busted it up. He did all, he saw those jets fly by just like I did. He got rewarded with going up to that. He was doing Columbia on the way down. Right? Are you listening to the voice of God to lead your life? Or are you listening to the voice of the culture to lead your life? You have to ask that serious question. What we're asking you to do is to say, let God's voice be more into your life. How does God speak? God speaks through the word of God. The Bible will speak to you. One of the most bought, re- most bought books, least read books in the world is the Bible. Open it up. Just let it start to begin to speak to your life. Start in the Psalms. Start in the Proverbs. Go into the Gospels. Look into the book of John. Look into the book of Acts. See what God does. See his heart. See how he works. Read the Bible not to say, I got a chapter done. Read the Bible and say, wow, I'm undone. You see, the thing about reading the Bible is, is that you don't read it. It reads you. I love Mark Twain's line. He says, it's not the stuff in the Bible I don't understand that bothers me. It's the stuff in the Bible I do understand that bothers me. It makes me have to deal with who I really am. And when God speaks, he'll speak through the Bible. He'll speak through circumstances. He'll speak to other people in your life. Christian, hear me on this. Be really, 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 really careful with the phrase God told me to tell you. And then pray about it again for another week before you ever get it out. That's a dangerous one. You may have a leading of God. You may have something going on in your life, but be very, very careful. If you're a follower of God, listen for his voice. And sometimes it'll come through us, but very infrequently. Most often, God will just lead you. Like right now, I would bet you, if you prayed this prayer, Lord, is there something in my life that you want to speak to and address? I would bet you by the end of the day, something will come to you You'll go, I need need to think about this. God works that way. He will listen. He is a listening God. The question is, are we willing to listen to him? Are we willing to listen to him? So look at me here. Look, look, Look at this middle part here. It says, when you meet Jesus, you get to know Jesus, and you follow Jesus, the kingdom of God begins to become important in your life. I have to tell you, if Jesus Christ had not raised from the dead, I would not be here. And number two, I would not care about you. I was raised in social Darwinism. It was a heap. I mean, so I'll tell you a quick story. So when we first, when I first went out to dinner at a nice restaurant with Shadley's family. Where Shadley is my wife. Uh, yesterday, 34 years. So praise God. Wonderful. Yeah, that's for her. So we go out to dinner with her family. We got to dinner with her family and they get done praying. And the first thing they do is they start sharing food with each other. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> I ordered. If you wanted some of this, you could have ordered this. I mean, literally, they start sharing with each other. Whatever in my family, are you kidding me? You get a fork in your hand if you come onto my plate, right? I grew up in social Darwinism. That was the way it was. I mean, survival at the fittest. I talked about that a little bit last week. Here you come along and Jesus comes in. He says, I want my kingdom to be important to you. And you go, wait, wait. Okay, so what are the kingdom principles? Look at underneath the line there. When you see the world through God's eyes, you gain a biblical worldview because you begin to see people the way that God sees them. And if you want to follow in my story, trekking up the hill a little bit or that mountain a little bit with me running in that guy who had water, who had extra provision, who was fit and running and in right spot and do all sorts of things. OK, what happens is he saw me in an hour of need and he had compassion on me. One of the things that happens when we mistake Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and we read it as this, going and telling them to obey all of my commandments and then baptizing them and then discipling them. When we get that backwards, what we end up doing is we just end up going around looking at everybody's life going, yeah, you're getting that wrong. 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 Hey, they know. Most nonbelievers know they're messing up. I mean, I knew I did. The key was just stay ahead of the fallout, Right. Just keep running on the treadmill and just stay faster than your problems, right? If this marriage doesn't work out, well, we'll go again and we'll go again and we'll go again and we'll go again. And, we'll go again. and God comes along and says, Harv, har Harv, Stop. God did give me a new set of eyes when I became a believer in Christ. And I'm very grateful for that. I going to tell you another story. So our son was playing baseball in Oklahoma. He played uh, college in, in Oklahoma, and then he transferred to the University of Hawaii, and he played in Hawaii for a while as well. But when I was in Oklahoma, we're, we're, we're there, and I'm, and I'm with a friend of mine, and his son is on the team as well. And, and, and my friend, uh, he was Mr. All-Everything. He was Oklahoma City everything, right? I was from country, little Clinton, Oklahoma. He was All-State in baseball. He was All-State in basketball. Guy drove a brand-new Camaro with rims that were worth at least Rims and tires that were $5,000 and some dollars. We go to a, a football game in western Oklahoma City together, and we're like, you know, I'm with him, and we're driving in, and we came over from where we were playing baseball, and we're there. And we come out, and his car is sitting on blocks, and I look at him, I go, dude, if we were driving my car, we'd be driving home right now. <laughs> he said, if we were driving your car, there wouldn't be a woman in the place looking at us right now. And sure enough, some great looking gal helped us because he knew, he knew who to talk with. And we got to drive with some of the prettiest girls in the place out of the place while we went and figured out how we we're going to go get rims to put back on his car. This guy had everything. Brilliant. Ran his own company. His kid's playing on the team now. Of course, he married his high school sweetheart. Beautiful, gorgeous, all those kinds of things. And I remember we were just hanging out, and I'm thinking, man, he's got, I mean, they got everything going on. Everything's going great in their lives and all those sorts of things. And I remember I, I saw his wife at one of the baseball games, and you know, everything was perfect and right, you know, and the brand-new Denali and the brand-new everything and all that kind of stuff. And she looks at me, and, and she goes, sucks to be you, doesn't it? But then you know what I realized afterwards? She was actually saying, you have it better than I do. Help me get out. We are hollow. It's empty. You guys guys realize that the world is just an inch ahead of the cascade of everything going on. You guys know because you've been there, haven't you? I've been there. I know what it feels like. And you know what they need? They need honey. Why is that? Because they need something sweet that actually has health and nutrition and value to it. They need water because they're dying of thirst and they need manna because they need just something to make it through the day. And Jesus comes into your life and my life and all of our lives and says, go, go, go. And they may mock you and they make fun of you and they may wanna talk about donkeys and elephants rather than Jesus and non-Jesus. And they may wanna talk about, but, whatever, but go, go be a part of their lives and they're gonna look at your life, It's okay. And your life doesn't have to be perfect. You know what they're looking for? is someone who says, in this imperfect world that I have, what I did was I found a place to lean on that actually has changed my life. It's given me a new opportunity. And don't be afraid of that. A lot of us are so afraid to be evangelists for Jesus. It doesn't mean getting the rule book right and going out and slapping people over the head with it. It's not that. It's wrong. It has been... He found me, he loves me, he saved me. The rich young ruler came up to Jesus and it's a toss away, a lot of us forget it. You know what what he said to Jesus? He said, I've kept all the rules, but yet I've tied, what am I missing? Jesus said, give everything you have away. And a lot of us get all stuck because we're like, wait, did he say, like give all your possessions, like that? He was saying to the guy, every place you have put as your God, let it go and let me become your God. And you will find everything you want. See, that's what's on offer to you. That's what's on offer to our friends and neighbors who are driving across on State Street out here. That's what's on offer in the world. And, we, and, and I, got to, I, I have no idea why God chose this model. The fact that God said, I will use broken people with clay, sin stained hands to share this message with others, I, I wouldn't have done it. I, I would have said, man, send some perfect people. And God says, I sent you. And you're probably thinking that in your life. God sent some more perfect people than us. And God goes, no, no, I'll, I'll use you. I'll use you. Yeah, you're good. I'm good. Now, go be my disciple. Go be my witness in those places. Go and share Jesus with them in your life. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Be straightforward. What did Jesus do in your life? You know the first place began? Once I was blind, now I see. Well, how do you make that happen? I have no idea. But I sure like seeing. I sure like seeing. So in 2024, when Jesus saw, I, I, by the way, let me give you this verse. I want you to see this, Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, before we get to 2024. So how, how does Jesus see people? It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Don't he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. Hey, there's a kingdom better than social Darwinism. You ought to maybe consider it. And what did he do? He showed the heart of the kingdom by meeting people in their greatest needs with their greatest diseases. Put those two words together. They had dis-ease. They didn't have ease, right? And they were filled with sickness. Verse 36, what does it say? When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. The first place just asking you to start this year when we talk about expanding the kingdom of God is pray this prayer. Lord, change my heart to see them the way you see them. Change my heart to see people the way you see people. Change my heart to see them with the heart that you have for them. And by the way, he will work through your imperfect life. 85% of people come to Jesus before they turn 20 years old. Why is that? Because they're impressionable. They're still open. They're still interested. One of the hardest things to do is to be 45 years old, have some successes and some failures to have someone like that. And then, you know, go, okay, you know what? I'm ready to accept Christ. But you know what? God does that. God does that too because people want Jesus. They need him. They just don't know it. And he, by the way, is sending you. He's sending you. And he's sending me to be that. Could you pray with us this year, that we would have the eyes of Jesus, that we would see them as sheep without a shepherd? Sheep without shepherds, or what? Lunch. <laughs> Next question. They're intensely vulnerable, right? Jesus is a shepherd. He'll come into our lives. In 2024, we want you to know Jesus, have a saving relationship with him first. Hey, some of you are here and you are that person here because you're asking, hey, I wanna, do do they give hope? Is there hope in this place? Yes, there's hope in this place. If you don't know Jesus, we would love to share him with you. Love to share him with you and love to have you step in and say, yes, I want to be the Lord of my life, even though I don't know exactly what all that is. It simply means this. I will seek him as the maker of the mountains rather than making my own mountains. I will seek him as the creator, God, and I will stop trying to make my best life. It just takes a little bit of humility. One thing that we do is that we will push you this year about the gospel of Jesus Christ because we are not going to pat your back on the way to hell. We're not going to do that. We love you enough to share the love of Christ with you. And you can call us fools. You can look down on us. You can say, what pathetic people. You can do whatever. But at the end of the day, Jesus will be Lord and leader. He is. He is. We also want you to see people around you in your lives the way that Jesus see them. Remember when I told you I was going from Columbia to Harvard and I start kvetching? There are people in your life you're kvetching about that Jesus might actually want you to know to be the one to share Christ with them. Maybe one small step. Go from kvetch to pray for them. Just pray for them. Just literally pray for them. You, you want to talk about a risky endeavor. Pray for someone that you want to just condemn. Begin praying for them. See, that's not about their heart. That's about, ready? Your heart. My heart. Fair? This year, you will see this country beat itself to death. You're going to see it. You're already bracing for it. The light that we will shine, the the hope that we will offer, the Christ that we will put forward will come riding on a donkey, not in a motorcade filled with power, but with kingdom authority. And he will speak into life. My verse for you this year, if you're worried about the year, Psalm 37, 19. Psalm 37, 19. In fact, I'm just going to read it to you. If you're worried about this year, if you're worried that, oh, it's an election year, it's all this kind of stuff. The people, Psalm 37:19, they will not be ashamed in a time of evil. My people, God taught my people. And in the days of famine, my people will have abundance. We are going to walk in the abundance of Christ in this place this year. We are not going to let the winds blowing around us guide, misguide us, derail us, take us off course, get us out of the pattern. We're going to stay focused. We're going to mount up. We're going to train to win, and we're going to follow Jesus along the way. And He will be our hope and leader of our lives. The kingdom of God, there's no vote in this one. That I've checked. The throne is warm. He's still on it. We're good there who knows what will shake in the world around us. A high mark of a disciple's maturity is that we are leading other people to Jesus because we had compassion on them just like somebody had for us. Oh, hoping your heart up for that. This could be a great year for that. This will be a great year for the kingdom to come. Jesus said what? Your kingdom come, your will be done at Foothills Church as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Holy, living, good, beautiful, maker of mountains, king of kings. Speak into our lives. Break apart some of that crust around our hearts. Let us be people that will share your goodness in a world around us. Oh, Lord, move in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 Peace of God.